morning, everyone. A fine Mount Gambia summer morning. Can I take this change down? Or? Well, I didn't get a chance to read the paper this morning, so you won't mind if I just have a bit of a read, will you? Yeah. very small print on this paper. I've got to use my magnifying glass. This is not the, um, it's not the Sunday Times. This is in fact, come on work. This is the New York Tribune. Dated Thursday, 12th of May, 1864. This is, not a, this is not a copy. This is an actual paper out of someone's attic and I picked it up when I was in Seattle. I bought, paid $35 US for it. It's worth it. It's, it's actually, it's a, for those that know their history, this is a Civil War newspaper. So this is printed by the Union, the North Army, and I'll just read you some of the headlines. Whoever paid this, bought this paper originally, cost them three cents. Actually, I was reading this the other day and I opened up to the back of it. You can buy some farmland outside New York for $20 an acre. <laughs> I wish I bought it. The six corps under General Wright had carried the first line of the enemy's rifle pits. And there had been heavy skirmishing during the day. We don't use that word anymore, do we? Heavy skirmishing during the day. Our wounded had reached Fredericksburg during the night and some, sorry, and dug in during the night. Some were brought up to Washington. And the Surgeon General reports uh, that the ample supplies of nurses, surgeons and medical stores have gone forward. There have been nothing heard from General Sherman or General Butler since the last dispatch of of yesterday. More of the Spotsylvania fight. The rebels pushed beyond the town. We have about 5,000 prisoners. Enthusiasm and endurance of the Union troops. Our losses so far in the war, this is of the Union Army, 40,000. But our strong general pertinacity continues. Don't use that word anymore, do we? Pertinacity. I just want to, uh, as as I'm speaking today, I want to circulate uh, a bit of show and tell for you. I'm just going to pass this around the room as I'm speaking and you can have a play with them and a figure out what they are without saying the word handcuffs. <laughs> but blessed, as we c- continue on our ser- series about uh, kingdom mandates, 
blessed, and which means it's a real churchy word. It was when I was growing up, blessed. I even grew up with the word blessed. But blessed, until recent years, it's become a bit more popular. But it's, up to then, it's been a real churchy kind of word. Blessed it means, means to be happy and to be envied. Blessed, blessed and happy and envied are, Jesus said, the peacemakers. I'm waiting on my camera operator. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you know what that is without saying the word gun or pistol? That is, a, that is a Samuel Colt peacemaker. It was used extensively during the, the Civil War in America. It was designed from about 1840 onwards and it was used in the battles of the Wild West, you know, with the Indians and all that stuff. Uh, it was even exported to the, in the overseas in the Crimean War. But the highest amount of sales was reached and they produce hundreds of thousands of these for the American Civil War. And it made its owner and its creator, Samuel Colt, an extremely wealthy man. And then he died. The idea that you could create peace by shooting those who disagree with you. What is a peacemaker? This morning as we go on, I want to speak about um, four points. Firstly, what? Second, how? Third, when? And fourth, why? What is this stuff we call peacemaking? How do we do it? When do we do it? And what's the point in the first place? What is a peacemaker? As we read in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, as, as he's on the mount, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God. And when we first read these words of Jesus, we could be forgiven for thinking he's contradicting himself. Because if you just skip ahead through Matthew a bit to chapter 10, he actually says these words. He says, don't think that I've come to bring peace at all, but rather a sword. That's a sword of division. He goes on to explain that that division would be amongst friends and family. There'll be those that believe in Christ and are convinced by his message and those that aren't. How is it that Jesus could believe and say both things? So as I read this, this passage, I'm struck by what it doesn't say. If I was writing the Bible, apart from the fact you would all be in deep trouble, if I was writing the Bible, I would say something like, blessed are the peaceful, wouldn't you? That makes more sense to me. That's more logical. Blessed are the peaceful. I've seen those people around. It doesn't seem to matter what they live through, they're peaceful and happy and they look blessed to me. That would be logical. They always seem to be optimistic. They always have a smile on their face. They seem very blessed. I know Christians like this. The peacefulness seems to ooze out of them. Even when they're going through the most difficult storm or persecution or, 
or sickness. They have this peacefulness that passes all understanding like the Bible talks about. But I bet they didn't get that way by seeking peacefulness. And I'm I'm not intending to be controversial this morning but I'm going to say something that I think I've picked up in all this. I, I actually think those of us that have what we think is a peace inside us, in our heart, is not peace at all. I'll just let that sit there for a bit. I believe what we have, what Jesus said we have living in us, in our hearts, is not peace, rather the kingdom of peace that lives in here. Christians who are sitting in this room would testify to a great peace that lives within them. It has been there in the past, it will be there in the future and it's here now. But we didn't get that peace from seeking the peace. We got that peace from seeking the kingdom. And the peace is the byproduct of that kingdom. It's what separates us from the rest. It separates us from those who cross their legs and sit on the floor and rock backwards and forwards humming. And I'm not, I'm not against, you know, I'm not against meditation at all. I, I, it just depends what you're meditating on. But the difference is those that seek the peace by itself and the, the Christians will seek the kingdom. Or those that want to find God. I've actually seen evil in people's lives over the years because people will seek peace first and only, peace at any cost. And then there are issues that never get resolved. There are problems swept under the carpet. Truth is not faced up to. Children aren't disciplined properly. Difficult issues are not dealt with because we just want peace at all times, whatever the cost. People who have sought peacefulness above all can end up anywhere. They may not even be a Christian at the end of their searching. Might end up in some Buddhist temple somewhere or using some kind of substance to get that sort of feeling of blessed and being happy. Spiritual Seeking peacefulness by itself can lead to spiritual immaturity. In much the same way we talk about spiritual gifts, we should be seeking the giver of them rather than the gifts themselves. We ought to pursue peace, not by itself, but the giver of it. Or in this case, case, the, the passage in Matthew says we ought to be the maker of it. What then is this peace that Jesus speaks of? It is in fact the kingdom of peace that we ought to be making and striving for. So that's the what. How? How do we fight this kingdom of peace? You know, I think of the word peacemaker. The first thing that pops into my head, I don't know about you, but is the the image of the, the UN peacekeeping force. They were actually established in 1949, do you know that? The Blue Berets. And in the early days they even sent them into conflict unarmed. 
senseless to go into a war zone unarmed and say, here, sort it out. They do arm them today. But essentially they go into war zones, they try and broker peace, they try and maintain ceasefires, they try and hold people to their words of their treaty, they, try, they, they get the victims of war in, they try and feed them and clothe them and give them shelter. Uh, and not for the last time today, I'll just say this. I'm not promoting you taking up of arms. Okay? I'm not promoting... I don't want anyone to say, go home and say, Peter said we could have guns. I don't want to see you using weapons to sort out your arguments. I don't want to see people fighting on the carpet of the church. But here's the irony. If we want peace... It will need to be fought for. We can look through scripture anywhere we like and apart from the Garden of Eden, peace came after the war. Peace came after the war. You look at the times in the wars of Joshua. These were actually offensive wars. They were attacking into this land to take it. And they were told to kill everything, man, woman, child, everything. And these battles God totally approved of, sanctioned and supported it. In fact, he even led it. Why would he promote such genocide? What was he trying to get rid of? What was he trying to fight? Well, what they were fighting is actually pagan cultures. Pagan cultures who would sacrifice their kids to their gods. One practice, you would take your young child alive and kicking and throw him into a fire in order to appease your gods. Another practice was to take an infant and throw him into the foundations as you built over him to try and get the favour or promote fertility of the town. Jericho did this. Is there any wonder God wanted it knocked down? And you'll see, even after that battle of Jericho, you'll notice that God issues a curse on the place. And you think that curse isn't fair, but you'll understand why with that background. He says, if anyone rebuilds this place, they will do so at the cost of their firstborn. Because he knew the amount of firstborns it cost to build the place in the first place. And although times have changed and Jesus wouldn't have a start any wars in the natural sense, God would still have us fighting to establish his kingdom of peace. How do we do that? Jesus said the kingdom of God lives within us. And just as there, is in, there was in Joshua's time, there will be things living in the land that are not of God's kingdom, that will need to be fought against. And if we don't fight against them, we'll never have peace. The war, our war is not against flesh and blood, but who? 
the work of the evil one, the devil, Satan, our enemy from the very beginning. Romans 8, Paul puts it this way, he says, either we live according to the flesh and what the flesh desires or we live in accordance Excuse me. Live in accordance with the, the Spirit of God, and set their minds on what the Spirit desires. There is a war going on in the kingdom of God that lives here, and who will win that war? That's entirely up to you. We have to know what to fight and who to surrender to. That's the key to to winning this war. You need to know what to fight and who to surrender to. One preacher put it like this, that there are two dogs living in you. Which dog will win the fight will be the one you feed. I have some bad news for you. Not everyone wins this war. I've been in church many years and there are people that have walked walked away from their faith. They're not in church today because they fought against God's spirit and gave in to every desire that their heart desired. And those same people will say, I don't have any peace. See, peacemakers in church and in your house church might be those close friends that might have put their finger on close friends that you trust or put that finger on something in your life that isn't maybe quite right. And it may not be nice. And it may feel like a bit of a battle. It won't be comfortable. It will feel like war. But peace comes after the war. And it will lead to peace. When the thoughts come that says you're ugly, you're useless, recognise it's a battle. And surrender to the King of Peace that says you were made in my image. I didn't make any junk. Now I know what you're thinking. I can read your thoughts. I know you're looking up at me and you're saying, now there's a guy that's got it all together. I know. There's a guy that's peaceful. There's a guy that's um, always optimistic. All jokes aside, there is, there is a kingdom of peace living here. It's the same as in many of you. And it hasn't always been there. Nor is it always there all the time. But just because I can't feel it, I still believe it exists by faith. It lives in me. This kingdom of peace. And it'll depend... If I win that war, it'll depend on what I fight against and who I surrender to. That will determine how peaceful I am. We have this silly saying in our culture, 
that's quite funny and appropriate to what we're talking about. If, we, if there's something we have to do and must do, we don't want to do it, so we call it, we have to bite the bullet. Can you imagine that? I think it would loosen a few fillings. Bite the bullet. When we, want to do, when we need to do something we don't want to do, doesn't sound too peaceful, but it will lead to peace. How do we become peacemakers? We have to know what to fight against and who to surrender to. So we've had the how, sorry, we've had the, had the what, we've had the how. And just briefly, I want to give you a when. When do we have to fight this battle of peace? I've got good news for you. It is, you only have to fight this battle of peace only every single day of your life. Only every single day. Why? We've had the what, we've had the how, we've had the when. Why? Because peace is necessary. Peace is a need. It's right up there with food, clothing, shelter and to be able to live at peace. And we've all seen the alternative We've all seen the wars in Syria and stuff going on in the world but it is not living at all to live in conflict and strife. Just the other week we learned on the news that 46% of Australian adults do not get enough sleep. 46%. How are we going? That's nearly half of us. Don't get enough sleep. And they were worried about that it leads to unproductivity at work and you know, they were more worried about actually going to and from work because you fall asleep at the wheel and have a, pra- a crash. But when you dig a bit deeper and they worked out why people weren't getting any sleep, the basic cause was worry, a lack of peace. And they would worry about everything from Donald Trump to Bill Shorten. A lack of peace. You know, for the past 20 years or so, I've, I have tried my best to discipline my children. I know, I've tried my best. <laughs> I've done the best I can do. And sometimes that discipline was a bit more about their old man losing his patience but sometimes it was about discipline and it wasn't too nice. It looked a bit like battle. Sometimes it looked a bit like war. But I didn't stop bringing discipline to my kids. Why? Because I want their adult life to be full of long-lasting peace or at least set it up for it. And if I'm going to achieve that, I've got to take on the battle. It looks a bit ugly. It looks like battle at times. Like a bit like war. But it will lead to peace. At the end of the American Civil War was the bloodiest conflict the world had ever seen. It held the record. 
we don't remember that much because 50 years later came 1914 and World War I. But it, it cost, there are estimates between 800,000 and a million American lives. When you add the wounded to that, it comes up to about 1.6 million. Are we, are we finished with the show and tell? Can I have them back, Luke? You all had a look? Yeah, they're warm. Did you guess what they are? These are not replicas. These are genuine. I picked them up in the antique shop in Lexington, Kentucky last year. They are 19th century slave shackles. And when your skin touch these, know that 150 years ago, black skin touched these. And they would be locked in them and told what to do, where to go. See, the American Civil War was about a few issues, but towards the end of the war, it really be just became about one. And that was the abolition of slavery. It's not pretty, and it's not nice, but we needed the peacemaker to get rid of the shackles. They were making hundreds of thousands of those during the American Civil War. The biggest bloodshed of any conflict in its time to get rid of this. You see, we needed the, we needed the war to bring the peace. And peace comes after the war. You know, in, in the end of the book of Mark, it says that Jesus, after finishing his work, after ascending to heaven, it says, it says a strange thing. He actually went to the right hand of the Father and he sat down. He sat down, indicating his work had finished and was now at peace. But it was only after the war. Only after he finished the battle that he won for us and the Bible talks about another time in Revelation where there will come a time when this kingdom of heaven that lives in us will actually come in its fullness in its entirety. It will cover the whole earth and it will be run by Jesus himself and it will be a kingdom of peace and it will only come after the war. It really will be the war to end all wars. It's called Armageddon. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. There is another word for son of God, or sons of God, not, not son of God, God plural, uh, singular, plural I mean. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. See, our God's a king. And if you're the son of a king, you have another name. You're a prince. And princes 
from the beginning of time to modern day have all been trained for war. Even Prince William and Prince Harry have done time in the army. Prince Harry actually knows how to fly those Apache helicopters where you've actually got to have these goggles on and, and your eyes have to go in two different directions and read two different things, screens while you're flying a helicopter. It's difficult. The princes are trained for battle. They're, des- they're trained to fight for the kingdom and ours is a kingdom of peace. For the last time today, I will say I am not promoting the taking up of arms. I don't want fighting in the streets. I don't want you duelling. I don't want gunplay in your living rooms. But the peacemaker will know what to fight against and who to surrender to. Don't chase the happiness. Don't chase the hashtag blessed. Don't chase the peace. Chase and seek after the kingdom of peace and the king himself. Let's pray. Lord, it's important that we all know that there's a battle on for our heart. And that battle will need to be won if there's to be peace. And Lord, you fought this main battle, you fought this main war, but the striving still goes on within us. And we pray, Lord, for strength to fight against those things you would have us fight against that wouldn't lead to peace and surrender to your, yourself that will lead to peace. Holy Spirit, I pray that we may be willing to take up arms, not in the natural, but against those things that war within us. That we would take up the sword that you called the sword of the Spirit and be able to engage this battle and win it. For too many have lost. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will win this war and slavery would be ended forever. In Jesus' name.